Okay, so what we've got going over the next few weeks, we are going to be working on our... Probably the thing to do is to mute all the mics behind me. Mute all the musicians' mics, and that might help. Just don't mute me. But i got a big mouth. See, God, God bless me. God bless me with big pipes, I guess, right? Yes. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. I want to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Ron Baird. Stand up. Stand up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Very, very excited about that. All right. Let me see. Let me get to where I need to be. Um, a lot of it, you know, I'm just really excited about a lot of things. I know that this has been a difficult month for some of you because I've talked to a lot of you. But I want you to know, do not give up. Don't quit. Do not quit. Right now, our nation is, is so divided and there is such venomous animosity coming against leadership. And I'm not talking about Republican, Democrat, this, that. I'm talking about leadership. You had better be very, very aware and very, very careful because understand something. If it's happening in the natural, it is happening in the spiritual. Do not be influenced by things that are coming against spiritual leadership. Be very careful with that today. That is just something that the Holy Spirit gave me. That is for your own benefit. I'm going to be good whether people like me, talk about me, don't talk about me. I've got a wife and a family. They're not going anywhere. All right? So you have to decide who and what you are allowing to influence you to do what. Amen? So remember I've been talking the last couple of weeks about the most valuable commodity on this planet is you. It's people. And I truly believe this, that if we don't understand the worth and the value that Jesus placed on us because He came and died, and that God the Father placed on us because He sent His Son, and the Holy Spirit places on us because He dwells in us and He leads us and guides us, here's what happens. The enemy tries so hard to make you feel so worthless and useless that you don't think you can do anything. And if you don't think you can do anything, you won't do anything. And let me tell you what, society will help you right down that road. Because do you know how many people are still living under the label that the world has put on them that has nothing to do with God or the Bible? Well, I'm just a drunk. Oh, no, you are not, according to Jesus Christ. Oh, I am just this. Not according to the, the Bible, you're not. You are valuable. You're, the, you're the, the greatest thing that He ever created. Is you. Do you know that angels wish they could be you? They do. And I'm not talking, you know, the little fluttering around in the clouds, angels. I mean, <laughs> you're valuable. And so the whole, what I'm, where I'm going today is a very familiar scripture verse, and it's, it's, this isn't a very deep meaning message. It's just I want you to get a hold of something. If you don't see value in yourself... How are you ever going to see value in others? The enemy will make sure that you are so blinded because what happens is when you don't have self-worth and you don't have any self-esteem and your value of yourself isn't good, guess who you're focusing on all the time? You. And the enemy will make sure. 
Every time you step out to try to do something, the enemy reminds you, you're not good enough to do that. Who do you think you are? You need to remind the enemy who you are. I am a child of the living God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am seated in heavenly places in a place of authority. The enemy is under our feet. Don't elevate him any further than that. All right, so I want to start in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It said, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But now look at this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See, Jesus saw people that were hurting. But understand, Jesus saw the value of people. I've told for for the couple of weeks, I told you, you guys that you are valuable. Now you have to start seeing the value in other people. The people that, that society has kicked to the curb, the Lord died for them too. you got to understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you're never going to do anything. Okay. I'm going to start throwing mics out the door. Jesus saw people. He did not see labels. So then he said in Matthew 9, 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's much work to do, and we need to value the greatest commodity, their people. There's harvest, is, the field is ripe, we need to go into the field. Now I'm getting somewhere with this. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who do you think the laborers are? Thank you. You are a very wise, intelligent church. You have been taught well by some man of God somewhere at some time. Amen? Because do you know, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, many, 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 many churches would answer that, you, and point to me. You're the preacher. That's your job. Au contraire, mon frère. Does anybody know French? Yeah? Okay. That's the only French phrase I know. Contraire, mon frère. And I only got that because of some commercial on TV. All right? No. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that have to go into the harvest field. If the harvest is going to come in, you're going to do it. Let me ask you something. I, I don't get this about sometimes. People don't get this. If Christ made you the greatest creation on the planet, gave you authority and dominion, and told us that we need to go out there and do this, what makes you think you can sit there and not do it? Who's going to? Well, the evangelist, when he blows into town. Well, good luck for that. Once a year when he shows up and he gets you all excited about what? He should be getting you excited about going out and winning the loss. It shouldn't be, oh boy, you know, the evangelist is coming to town. People are going to get saved. What is wrong with you? you know, here's the thing. Let me ask you. Let me tell you. Let me give you a secret. Billy Graham, probably the greatest evangelist that America has ever produced, right? And I never could understand because Billy Graham was a good preacher. He was a powerful preacher, but he wasn't the most flowery speaker, you know. But, but he'd make this little, make a decision for Jesus. And 5,000 people, whew, you know. So, I mean, I've tried it. 
I've been up here and I say, it's time to make a decision for Jesus. <laughs> Crickets, man. Crickets. But do you know what? Billy Graham, he would start a whole year before he'd ever go into a, an area. And he'd work with all the churches in the area. And he would tell, this is what he would tell these people. Pick five people you'd like to see come to the Lord. And over the next year, befriend them, take them to dinner, take them bowling, do something. Sow into their lives. Befriend them. Get a relationship with them. Then when Billy shows up, guess what? We'll invite him to this meeting. They get saved, and guess what? Discipleship is already in place. Ding! It's brilliant. But people looked at Billy Graham and says, oh, look at all he's doing. Yes, he has a gift. He was an evangelist, and there was something in his message that stirred that the Spirit used to draw people. But somebody else did some work before he ever got there. All right? So again, it's going to have to be us. And so, it said, I want to go to Luke 10.25. Lord, help me keep my sanity. All right. Okay. So then he said to his disciples, and in Luke 10.25 now, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I want to make a couple of points here. Understand it was a lawyer, a Jewish Hebrew lawyer that understood what? Hebraic law, Jewish law. So under that context, I want you to, we're going to tell you this story that you know all know very well, but I'm going to make a couple of very big points. The lawyer asked a legal question. He already knew the answer based on what the law said. And here's what he said. He wanted to know exactly what he needed to do for the benefits of the eternal life. And he said to him, Jesus asked a question to a lawyer. And it was a legal question. What is written in the law? What does the law say, lawyer? He's speaking to him in lawyer language. What's your reading of it? Or what is your understanding? And in verse 27, so he answered, and I can just see this lawyer I know the answer to this. I'm a lawyer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Because he knew what the law was. And what did he say? And he said, do these things. Now, verse 28, Jesus says, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But... The lawyer wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, immediately you think, well, what kind of a question is that? you got to understand it was a legal question. Because in the Jewish Hebrew law, here's the way they saw a neighbor. A neighbor was either your relative, somebody of your tribe, or somebody of the Jewish religion. Outside of that, those three things, you were an enemy. And so he was trying to justify himself by saying, well, exactly who do you say my neighbor is? Knowing the answer, he knew what the legal answer was. So Jesus then goes on and tells him a story about the Good Samaritan. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I know I'm going to bore you with this story because you all know it, but I'm going to bore you anyway. It says he wanted to justify himself. So Jesus, if you understand what Jesus is doing, he was making a huge statement right here. He was getting ready to really blow their legal minds, if you will. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, 
who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. I always wondered about that. What does half dead look like? I don't know what that means exactly, but anyway, he was freed up pretty bad. Now, by chance, all right, I need a volunteer. I need somebody. Trey, will you volunteer? I just need you to lay down here on the floor. Can you do that? Just lay down there. Lay on the floor. You get yourself comfortable. Yeah, there you go. Okay, lay, lay a little bit here. Yep, just like that. Good. All right. All right. There was a certain man named Trey. All right. They went down, and he fell among thieves, and he was beaten and left half dead. But he's half alive. But if he's in this church, he's all alive. Okay? So, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Now, I want you to understand, when we think about this, we think about the highway. We think about, well, there's this person on the highway. I'm going to cross on the other side of the highway. If I gave you the geography and I had a picture of the, this, this road that he was on, there was kind of, it was rocky crags and mountainous, and there was this path. And it, it, when he passed on the other side, you almost, it was about this wide. You almost had to step over him and around him. It's not like he was on the other side of the street, the other side of the, you know, M129. He was right here. And he had to step around him. He passed by on the other side and went on his way. Then comes a Levite. Now, a Levite is a temple worker. Now, some theologians would say that possibly the reason the Levite didn't do anything because he thought he was dead, and if he was dead and he touched him, then before he could enter the temple, he'd have to do the ceremonial cleansing, and it took some time, and he didn't want to do that. Let me tell you this. Don't ever let church get in the way of being a Christian. I mean, for, for crying out loud, don't pass somebody by on the street that needs help to come to church so the preacher can tell you we need to be helping people on the street. Just saying, okay? So the Levite looks at him and says, huh, passing by the aisle to get to church, man, I got some temple work to do. I'm so important, you know? Was it you that got the flat tire? Yeah. You know? Did anybody stop and help you? Shame on you all. <laughs> no, I re no, shame on me. Because I do remember. I come by. Of course, you know, I was flying low because I was running late. And I come by, and, and they were just up the street here. And he was out, and he was changing the tire. It looked like he had his tire under control, you know, because my, my mind, I, I'm in a hurry. Well, he's got it under control. He's a man. He can handle it. Um, I came by and pulled in the parking lot. And he was in a, I think he had a dress shirt on. I don't even maybe even had a tie on. And the next thing I know, they walk in the back door. And I'm like, hmm. Well, here's what happened. They were on their, actually, they were on their way to another service at another church, and they got a flat tire, and they knew they couldn't get there in time, and they saw 11.15, so they pulled in here, and they've never left. <laughs> you know? But that was, you know, the thing of it is, is that, an opportunity. Well, but I'm the preacher. I've got to stand up front and talk. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody can fill my place if I'm out there doing God's work. You know? So forgive me for not helping you change your tire. Okay? Next time, I will. <laughs> my point is, is that every day we have got to ask, 
We've got to see. God puts opportunities in our path every day. But because we don't see, we don't have this compassion, we don't see the way the Lord sees, we have got to see value in people. Okay? Man, you're valuable. Your son is precious valuable to the Lord and to us and to you. And woo-woo, God wins every time. So, Trey here, who is beaten up, now half dead, okay? And, you know, they stripped him of his clothes. Now, I want you to understand, a lot of times when the Bible talks about they were naked, they weren't naked the way we think naked. If you had your outer garment taken off, they considered that nakedness, okay? Just, you know, so they're not running around. You don't think they're, they're running around in their birthday suit all through the Bible. <laughs> Relax a little bit. Let me help you out. But if they had their outer garment on, and it was kind of like their under robe, that, they considered that nakedness, okay? So just so you know. Now, it says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he, had, he saw him, he had compassion on him. Remember I said Jesus saw them, he had compassion? That word compassion means what they are feeling, you are feeling. And it, it moves something in you. And if you've ever, for me, when I'm praying for people, and some, many times when I lay hands on them, I can sense or I feel what they feel, and I can feel the hurt, the pain, the this and that, and the whatever. It's kind of a, you know, it's a, the Spirit of the Lord thing. It's not me, and it's not, ooh-wee-oo, it's, it's biblical, so relax. All right? But a certain Samaritan, now, do you know that the Jewish people thought Samaritans, they were half-breeds. They thought they were less than dogs. They were worthless. They had no place in the kingdom or their, in their world or anything else. So this Samaritan who probably knew how Trey felt about me being a Samaritan still decided, I'm going to help. And so what did he do? He bandaged up all his wounds, you know, helped him out. Come on, I'll help you up. Put him on his own donkey and sent him on to the inn with a beautiful innkeeper. Okay? Okay? And, and so, and then, here's what he did. I, again, I don't know why money's a theme today. Somebody's, I'm making somebody mad. I know it. But guess what he did? He paid the innkeeper, and I know you'll know how to receive money. <laughs> okay? Receive money. This is my daughter, by the way. So for some of you that don't know, it's not just some random kid that I picked out of the thing. <laughs> okay? See, I never want to come to this church. He might pick on me. Is it warm in here or is it just me? Okay, we can kill the heat there, brother. I didn't know if it was just a Holy Ghost getting all over me. Okay? So, paid the money. Then said, I'm going away. I'm on a journey. But when I come back, if there's anything else, any other expenses that he has, I will pay for that too. Did that for somebody that he knew hated him. Okay? So, where am I going with this story? You probably already know. We need to start seeing people, just as I told you, you need to see the value in you, you need to start seeing the value in people no matter where, no matter what, no matter how. Because here's the thing. The church in general, I'm talking universal. 
it broke my heart. This has been a couple years ago. I was talking to a guy, and this really, it broke my heart. And he says, I really want to come to your church. And he says, as soon as I get some things together, as soon as I get myself pulled together a little bit, come to your church. And I said, what are you waiting to pull together? Come. Right where you are, let the Lord pull things together in your life. But universally, the church, somehow we portrayed this message that you, you've got to have a certain thing or certain this or a certain that to show up and, and be accepted, and I will burn this building to the ground if that's what we become. That is not what we are. Look, if you don't expect demon-possessed people to come through the doors, then you're in the wrong place because they're coming. And guess who's got the authority to get them free? We do. But instead we say, I don't know what to do with them. Let's keep them out. Let's shut them up. Bring it. And now notice the minute I say that, they're coming. You know, they're going to have colored ponytails coming out of the front of their head. I don't care. Doesn't matter. I know this. I know that you want to preach? Come on up. Here, you can preach with me for a while. Will you come with me? Come on, buddy. Yeah. This is my preaching partner. You know what I... And people are saying, what are you doing? You know what I want to know? I want our kids to know that this is a place that they, they can be too. That they should be. That they will be. This is their church. You ready to go? You all done? Yeah, you got an attention span like I do. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, buddy. So, so, which of the, so, so Jesus asked this guy, so which of the three, he asked this lawyer, so which of the three of the three do you think was a neighbor to him, a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, and I know that the lawyer probably just about choked getting this out of his mouth. He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Do you have got to understand what a huge statement that Jesus was making amongst all these Jewish people with this lawyer that knew the law, that was trying to trick Jesus, that he had to admit the Samaritan that helped him. Do you know what a huge statement that was to them? Do you mean... I need to be like a Samaritan that will just help and have compassion on people. He said, go and do likewise. And then there's another story of, you know, that Jesus told a, young, a rich young ruler, go sell everything you got, give to the poor. And he left sad. Why? Because he was rich. So I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know why money's a theme today. You can have money, but don't let money have you. I'm going to tell you also, we are very good stewards in this church with your finances. I want to tell you that. But money does not determine the decisions that I make. God does. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> he showed mercy on Go and do likewise. So, the question today is, each and every day. Now listen, I understand. We may not be able to save the whole world, but boy, you can influence your part of it. 
Because what happens is we say, there's so much out there, I can't do any of it. And you know, you've all heard the starfish story. This little boy walking down the beach, and thousands of starfish, you know, washed up on the beach, and they were dying. He was grabbing one and throwing it back, grabbing one and throwing it back. Somebody came and asked him, they said, what are you doing? You can't save them all. It won't make any difference to, you're not going to be saving them all. He said, it makes a difference to that one. Makes a difference to that one. Make a difference in someone's life. How do you do that? I'm going to tell you, probably, most of the time, I'm going to say it, Lord. Keeping your mouth shut will help. Most of the time, people don't need your favorite pet peeve five-point sermon. They probably don't. Because, you know, and I'll give you an example of that, is that somebody's having problems in their marriage. You know, you're having a problem in your marriage, and you have. And, okay, I'll put it this way. Some, soon when you're married and, and a problem comes, because it'll come, you need to learn how to speak in tongues and interpretate tongues. That'll help. So many times we want to give people an answer for a question they don't have. A lot of times what we need to do, do you know what really been a blessing, and I'll just personalize this, it's helped me. Sometimes people don't say anything. There's been times I've been at this altar, and I don't know who, but somebody comes up, puts a hand on my back or my shoulder, and they're just praying for me. I don't know who, I don't know. All I know is, thank God I needed someone today. And they didn't tell me what they thought I needed to be doing. Now, there's times when the, the Lord may you know, have you share something, a word of knowledge or something that would really encourage people. I mean, I know I'm a simple guy, but one of the greatest, I mean, I just about got out of my truck and did a dance. But Zach and Tiffany, I, and I hate to confess this from the pulpit, but I have to. I was driving through Burger King <laughs> to get my wife a chicken sandwich. Okay? And Zach and Tiffany were in front of us, and, and I interviewed me. I waved at them, and I got up to the window, and they said, the truck in front of you paid for it. I mean, I just went out and get a dance. I mean, woo, woo, what a blessing. Woo, I got a free chicken sandwich today. Yay, God. Yay, God. Do you know, you don't have any idea what that meant to me. You don't have any idea what that did. A simple little thing like that. Do you know that that could save someone's life? It could save someone's life. Just a little thing. I'm going to tell you one more story before I close. And this is all about seeing value in people. But if you don't see it in yourself, you're not going to see it in others. You've got to see it. And maybe I've told this story before. I was on a golf course. This was years ago. And actually, I had an evening meeting um, that I was preaching. I'd preached a morning session. This was in the afternoon. I had an evening meeting. I thought, i got time to do nine holes, right? And so I'm in a little bit of a hurry. And, and I'm an okay golfer. And so I, I'm going, and I see this guy in front of me. He is not a good golfer. He's duffing in the woods here, duffing in the woods. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get behind this guy. I'm in a hurry. Now, golf etiquette says if there's somebody pushing you behind you, you let them go through. And I'm thinking, get this, this guy, you know, in my spiritual way, this guy better let me through. My God, I got things. I got to run. He better let me through. 
If he doesn't, I'm, gonna, if he doesn't, I'm just going to go right on through. I'll just hit a ball right on top of him. That's it. I'm going to go through him. So I get up to him, and he says to me, he says, hey. I'm thinking, great, he's going to He says, you want to golf with me? I'm like, no, I don't want to golf with this guy. I'm like, Lord, come on. I'm in a hurry. I've seen him in the woods, in the woods, in the woods, in the woods. We spend more time in the woods looking for balls than we do in the fairway. And I got somewhere I got to, I got to be to church. And so I said, no, that's okay. And I teed off. I took two steps off. And I mean, it was like I was, bro, I couldn't move. Lord said, you will golf with him. <sighs> so I turned around and said, why don't you tee off? Off together. <laughs> I was so spiritual. And so we're golfing and he's duffing and I'm, we're carrying on a conversation. And he starts telling me his whole story. I didn't ask him. Didn't really want to know. I'm just being real. And so he's telling me, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, yep, yep. And I'm, hey, yep. Well, we get on the number 90, last hole. And the Lord speaks to me, and he says, tell him I love him. I'm like, okay, I'll tell him. Hey. So he's up there, and he's getting ready to tell. I says, hey, the Lord wants me to tell you that he loves you. I mean, the guy instantly bursts into tears, drops his golf. We're in a public golf course. There's guys, boom. This guy, is he's weeping, weeping. And this is what he told me. Well, what, what the Lord told me, he says, you tell him that I am here to tell you. So I was saying, I am here to tell you Jesus loves you and that he cares about what you're going through. This is what he told me. He said, I'm from downstate. I came to the UP. I was going to play one more round of golf, and then I was going to commit suicide. He says, he said, the whole time I drove up here, the whole time around this golf course, he said, I just needed to hear that God still loved me. But I'm going to tell you something. Much to my shame, I didn't see a lot of value in that man until... Yeah, yeah. I didn't see because I wasn't looking. But we need to look, and we got to understand. People are valuable, even if they're messed up. Maybe they don't think the way you do. Maybe they don't even believe quite the way you do. But it doesn't matter. They still have value because Christ died for them. And if we don't get to them. And so I, got, so I sat right there in that number 9T in my, you know, and I mean just now. Now God was on me. Yeah. And I pre and I was we prayed and I prayed boldly and loudly. And other guys are, you know, they're going by in the golf carts and you know, it didn't bother me. And and he said, My son, one son just went to prison. He said, and he said, But I've got another son, and he's a minister. And he says, I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna spend some time with him. And he says, I know that I can make it because I know that God still loves me. Simple. Guess what? I didn't give him a five-point sermon. I didn't give him any great theological definition, or I didn't give him some, just, hey, you know what? Somebody cares. And I know for a fact we've got a whole generation of young people that just need to know somebody cares. Listen, when you guys are struggling in your dorm rooms and you've got tests and your minds are coming out of your head, we care. 
We care about what you're going through. Please don't hesitate to call this place. Call them. Call us. We've got elders here. And I'm going to get our elders' numbers and stuff posted so that we can get them around so you guys know who to call for help. Some of my greatest encouragements have just been when I get a text from somebody that says, hey, pastor, love you, believe in you, doing great, keep it up. Because every person gets doubt. I am probably one of the most, I call it, self-confident people that I know. Other people call it something else. But self-doubt creeps in. And there's times I think, what are you doing? Are you doing anything good? You know, this one's mad at you. This one's leaving. This one's gossiping and slandering you. I'm not doing any good. Let me just, just stop. And then I'll get a text. Hey, love you, pastor. Man, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes, he will. But guess what? We have to be like that good Samaritan. We've got to be the one that's got to, we're going to have to heal their wounds. It's going to take a little bit of time and effort, and it may cost us a little something. But at the end of the day, what soul isn't worth heaven? Please. Absolutely. Pride. Because you know what I've come to realize? When I first started pastoring in Cedarville years ago, here's what I did, and I'm going to let you go. I said, this church should have 350 people in it. And I went about trying to get 350 people in it. Then one day, when I'm exhausted and frustrated and worn out and ready to quit, the Lord said, who's supposed to build the church? I said, well, you are. He said, well, who's building the church? Well, ooh, I am. I don't worry about numbers. I worry about people. And if people come here, praise God. If people don't come here, praise God. If people come here and, and I can help them for a while and they go somewhere else, people come here and say, well, we're looking for a church. You know what I tell them? We are praying. If this is home, welcome home. If it's not, we're praying that God fits you in right where you need to be, where you can be blessed and you can grow and you can thrive. But that's a good word. But my pride was, I've got to have this church that's this big because if I have a church this big, then people will look at me and say, oh, you really accomplished something. You know what means nothing in the kingdom? The only thing that means anything in this kingdom is I being obedient to Christ. And am I helping people? Because at the end of the day, all your stuff's going away. You know, I tell my kids all the time, go get a good job. Dad's money's going to be gone. Spending it on me. At the end of the day, all you've got is obedience to Christ and helping people. Amen? I hope I helped you some today. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for these people. Lord, your children that are so valuable, help us to see the way you see. Let us see the hurting and let us have compassion. Let us feel their hurt. Let us be moved by compassion. Because, Lord, we know we are the greatest commodity and we're the only commodity on this planet that can be your hands, your feet, your mouth.
And Lord, we thank you. I pray for every person today that they walk out of here knowing that they have value. And Lord, they're so valuable that they can help others find value as well. And we just give you praise and glory and honor for all of it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thanks for hanging in there with me today. God bless you guys. Oh, yes. Lord, bless the food in the back as we fellowship one with another. Amen. All right. Decent in order. The first one to the back is the first one to eat. Go.